Ciao, buongiorno a tutti ragazzi. Thank you very much for tuning into the Inter Worldwide podcast. We're going to jump right into things straight away. I've got a couple of awesome guests today. It's one of the regular suspects in Mario Galliano. Ciao, what's going on, man? Yo, 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 what's up? Not too much. And all the way from Toronto, I'm pretty sure. I'm really, really happy to have on Mr. Michael Gallo. Thank you so much for coming on, man. Uh, thanks for having me. And I don't think there's anywhere in the world that's further away from Australia than where I am right now. <laughs> and that's what it's all about, man. That's what gives the worldwide a little bit of authenticity. So before we yeah. do start, we're all sick and tired of hearing Mario talk um, pretty much everywhere. So, uh, Michael, tell us a little bit about yourself, because the first time you've been on Inter Worldwide for any of our listeners who don't know who you are. Uh, okay. My name is Michael. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, I've, uh, I am a, uh, I'm a sports producer at ESPN Canada. Uh, I've been doing that for about 11 years, did some soccer stuff, uh, did some tennis, um, but you know, I bleed black and blue and that's been my life for mine for many years since, uh, 1998. That's, uh, when it all started for me. Uh, I went over to, uh, Italy to see some family. I've got family in Milano and, uh, my cousin, who's a lot older than me, he's, he took me to, for a, uh, a tour at the San Siro and I was only 12 years old at the time and he took me in the interchange room and he's like this is the team that you're going to support and he took me in the Milan, Milan change room and he said this is the team that you're not going to support and uh, and everything everything was 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 uh, love at first sight for me and everything continued he took me to an inter practice the next week which was about uh, about three weeks after the world cup uh, in 98 to Appiano Gentili or wherever where they were back back in the day in '98, I think it, I think that's where it was or maybe a, a, cl- a close place, and um, uh, we went there. And uh, although most of the the players that weren't there at that practice, uh, Zamorano was there, Pirlo was there actually, which is kind of crazy. Uh, and and uh, it just it, it's it kind of stuck with me, and then and here I am. Uh, I I would say a suffering fan, but we've had some great moments over those. What is it now? 22 years? Yeah, 22 years since yeah. then. So great, great moment since then. Absolutely. I love, love relationship, even on its worst, worst day and worst of times. Um, let's jump right into what's going on in context at the moment. So the latest headlines is that it looks like Serie A training is set to resume. All clubs, uh, mainstream media is saying that all 20 clubs have voted to basically go back into training and there will be operations in place to make sure that players are training safely and to get back into the swing of things. Um, I'm still a little bit on the fence only because, you know, all the way here in Australia, or as Mario calls it in the future, um, we still don't know that much about what's going on. And it's still inconsistent every single day in all different avenues of sport. Um, you know, you have some certain leagues cancelling, some certain leagues saying that they're confident to go on. So Mario, I'll start with you, man. What's your opinion altogether? First of all, do you think Serie A is about to go full swing back into action? Or do you think this is going to have a, a reverse effect? I think it's going to have a reverse effect. I don't think they're going to get straight into it. Um, you know, obviously, this whole thing's still going on, and it's probably going to be going on for another few months until they figure out what the hell they're going to do. Uh, a lot of sports, like I think it was like the NBA and some other, and like uh, Formula One and all that stuff, they're all canceling. And, um, you know, I, I don't think it's, it's the smartest move right now to uh, – to keep it, the leagues going, you know, it's it's a bad look. It's it's going to be bad publicity, and then uh, you know people are going to be harmed because of it, and then that's the worst case scenario. Nobody wants to see that. 
Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like if they do start, it's going to be very short-lived. Like, they're going to try, like, a couple trial games behind closed doors. Like, oh, yeah, this is great. Then they're going to start to open it up, and then, boom, everyone's going to get sick, and you might even have someone die because of it, and that's the last thing we want to see. Fair call. Michael, first of all, what's the situation over there uh, in Canada for you? And in your opinion, switching the question a bit, what effect do you think this is having more so on the players and the managers in terms of going straight back into action? And do you think that they'll be able to cope with it well if they were asked to pretty much go straight back into the swing of things? Uh, well, your first question, in Canada, it's... it's. I'm not going to say it's good, but, I mean, it's 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 a consistent level of of we've got issues but it's not to the extreme of where say where mario is right now it's it's not nowhere near how how bad it is there but we are having our issues um i think we're because we're, we're a country that kind of follows the lead of of the united states and whatever they kind of do we kind of do it at a, a lower type of uh not it's range crazy. but just a smaller scale exactly yeah we just kind of see what they do and we kind of do it after them um, obviously our situation is not as worse. Like, uh, I'm, I'm in Toronto, right? Actually right now I'm in the city of Niagara Falls, but in Toronto, okay. um, where I work, it's, and usually where I live, it's, uh, it's the worst of, of Canada, but it's not as bad as, as other places. So it's, um, they're trying to take a, a extremes, but really they're just, they're not doing enough to, to, to make this go away. I can say. So our extremes are not high, but we're just not doing enough. We're just going to keep on staying the same. Um, to your to your question about uh, what's going on with with players and how we move this forward, um, yeah. I don't I don't uh, I don't think we're in a position right now to make an educated decision to say what we should be doing right now. Like it's not we don't have enough information we don't have enough data we don't we don't things are not low enough where we can be making a decision to say okay we should be returning soon um i don't think i think we're still weeks maybe months away from even going down that route um you can have the conversations of course like we're having right now of when that could be but i don't think we're we're anywhere near saying we should start training we should start playing uh that's way too far away for me uh i look at other leagues and and they're trying to like they're trying to move forward. You look at Germany. Germany's been been that first country that's trying to get the ball rolling, and all they're doing is having issues. Uh, a month ago, they're like, okay, we're gonna get the ball rolling because Germany, of the big countries in Europe, they're probably the one country that has been hit hard, uh, hit, hit the not as hard as say France, Spain, and Italy, but yeah. they're still having their issues. And uh, what I don't like is. You know, they, they came out uh, three, four weeks ago saying we're going to return in early May. And then late April comes in. Like, OK, we're going to delay it a week. And then early May comes in. And now we're going to delay another few weeks. And next thing you know is that some of their players and teams are returning to practice and training. And they, they released a statement today saying 10 club members, whether they're players or, or staff or whatever, 10, play, uh, 10 people have, been, have tested positive. And they're supposed to be self-isolating for the last month. So obviously they're breaking rules and the situation and, and Germany is supposed to be a country that follows the rules. They follow the rules very well. The, the people in that country, Italy 
and Spain and France are definitely not as as good as Germany in terms of following the rules. So if Germany's yeah. having problems already, then I think that Italy's going to be having problems even at a higher level once they decide to make the decision of to move forward. So I don't I don't think we're there yet, and I don't think that uh, Serie A should be making a decision. I think that uh, they should make the decision when the time is appropriate, which is probably three three weeks at the very bare minimum. At the very bare yeah. minimum, but but likely a two month to three month. Uh, range for me. Fair call. Well, what we're seeing come out this morning, I know the latest headlines that I've seen is that players for Juventus are starting to be called back into Turin in order to start quarantine, which would should, should be going for about 14 days for players like Rugani, Paolo Dybala, uh, Matuidi as well, who have all had symptoms even have re- uh, or have been diagnosed even recently. So I'd have to agree with you both that, you know, these days for me, they go slow physically, but then when you look back on it, time's going very quickly at the same time. I still think we're weeks off from really having a proper structure put together. And I just feel like, Italy, and if they do it as well, the La Liga, Spain, and even England, they're just really trying to rush back into this and finish something that I just I just don't think they're ready yet. Um, on our previous edition of the podcast, which was out, we were a pleasure to have Sergio Cerboni from interfans.org and Marco Marca from Cazzetta, and he, they spoke a little bit in depth about some of the club's decisions, whether or not to go back. We know that the Lecce president, he didn't want to go back um, for obvious reasons that he stated. But he also, um, the guest that we had on actually said that Inter and Juventus were all in favour of cancelling the season altogether right now. Um, Mario, I'll ask you first of all, in Inter's point of view, do you think it would be wise to cancel the season right now? Do you think Inter's got any sort of motive to keep it going or to cancel it? Where would you stand on that? I mean, this is one of the best seasons we've had in God knows how long at this point. So you want to stay in it as much as you can because once you start the season over, you're not going to have that momentum that you built. Lukaku, you don't know if he's going to score 20 goals or if he's going to score zero goals the next time you're up. You know what I'm saying? Um, plus, on top of all that, you have all the player wages, the contracts. They run up at a certain time. And, you know, if, uh, you know, they're basically playing, paying people to, to do nothing. They don't want to spend millions of dollars for these people to just sit at home, not be playing, and then what? Uh, say um, uh, DeVry gains 40 pounds. What are you going to do with that? <laughs> you know, it, it, like, sure, it, it's it's crazy to think that, but at the same time, it's not out of the out of the blue or, like, one of the players gets sick and they can never play again. What are you going to yeah. do with that, you know? Um, so uh, does it make sense to keep the league going? This is the best chance we would have, and plus – you know, Juve might lose momentum, we might gain momentum, or it could be the opposite. Um, but, I don't know, it's a tough call, and like you said, we just got, like Michael said, we just have to, like, wait it out and see what yeah. how long it takes. Like, would it be ideal to finish it at a later time? Sure, we're, we're, we're closer than we've ever been. But at what expense? Are we going to have to start the leagues in December? Are we going to have to start the leagues in January? The whole season, the schedule is going to be screwed up, what, for what do we have, like 12 games left or something? Not even. Yeah, it's like it's yeah. like two months, about, around two and a half months. Yeah, two months much. of games left. At that point, you, I would say to just cancel the season because otherwise everything's just going to be out of whack and out of balance. But, you know, I, I, I don't know. Speaking, what, what speaking of out of 
out of whack and out of balance. For me, the whole league format is void because so much has been compromised in terms of the league format, in terms of home and away fixtures, all the revenue that goes with it, the structure of finishing 38 games and having the teams on top, relegation, uh, placings for next season. What's not completely screwed for me is cup football, though. And I was speaking to my cousin about this the other day. If we were about to go back into resuming the season, I would love to see Inter go full throttle and focus on winning the Europa League, uh, a competition that is, you know, a little bit forgotten, obviously, being the younger brother to the UEFA Champions League. But in this situation right now, we'll be going back into the round of 16. Now, this is all speaking hypothetically, obviously, because we've just finished the conversation about how we think we're weeks possibly even months away from returning to competitive football. But I'll start with Michael. In terms of going back to the, if we were to return to action, would you like to see Conte and Inter prioritise the Europa League over anything else? And do you think that we'd have a really realistic chance of going for it if we were to put all our eggs in that basket? Uh, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that focusing on the Europa League is, is, is a concern if we were to return. I don't. I don't think so. I don't. I don't see the real benefit of of doing that. I mean, what's what's the best case scenario is they go and win the win the tournament and what they they get some extra cash and they make Champions League for next year, which we're already going to do anyways. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't see the the real benefit of of. I mean, other than getting some experience for for some of the younger players and players that wouldn't be in the the team as much. Um, I don't think we're there yet. I mean, we're at the round of 16 quarterfinal stage pretty much just about, and it's it's too early to, to make that assumption. I think uh, I think having a positive step in our first first uh, our first you know match already. Uh, I, I'm I'm trying to like it, it's been so long since the matches have been played. I'm like it's hard. I know. I know. I, I'm like, I'm thinking, okay, we played, I believe it was Ludo Goretz or like, who the yeah. fuck were we playing? Yeah. I'm, just, I'm thinking about it. I knew we were playing in Bulgaria. I'm just like, it's, it's been yeah. so long. And I'm just trying to think about what, what, uh, like, where, where have we been? Where are we going? It's just, it's been so long since we've seen, seen anything. It's, it's hard to even, even imagine about having this type of, uh, of, of opinion of what yeah. interest do once, once things return. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I think they're still that they're still in the mix for the league where I don't, I don't prioritize it yet unless they were to come back, you know, lose their first couple games. And then, and the next thing you know is, okay, all we have is Europa League and, yeah. you know, or, or, or whatever, we, whatever, whatever's in front of us. Then, then maybe that's a decision you make once the league restarts at this point, I would say no. Yeah, fair call. And over to you, Mario. If we were to go back into action, would you be a little bit more excited than Europa League, say, before this whole um, pandemic came along, or is this just another dead rubber tournament to you now as well? I think I think the Europa League a little more seriously, honestly, because at the end of the day, it's still a trophy. Manchester United won it. Sure, whatever, but still, uh, Mourinho won a tournament when he was at Manchester United, you know, and it's not like he's just playing... Uh, little Goritz every weekend. You know, there are good teams still in the tournament. So, yeah, the money's going to be very beneficial, obviously, because in this day and age, you know, 100000 here, 2000 there, it adds up, and next thing you know, you got $20 million from winning Europa League. And, you know, it's better than nothing. You, you make that on top of finishing second in the league, Champions League bonus, adds up in the end, you know. We could buy the next player that we could before. Um, but I was thinking about this, actually. What if they just scrapped all the leagues, 
and temporarily you do like a Champions League, Europa League, and then the you bring back the Intertoto Cup. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then you kind of just have a voided season where everybody plays each other. You do like seven months, play a bunch of games. Whatever happens, happens. You know, like, nice. so this way you can't say like, oh, you've had one, but, you know, there was two months in between. Or, oh, we lost because of this, because of that. You cancel the yeah. whole thing. You bullshit for a few months in between, and then September comes, you start the new season. Nice one, bro. I like it. I like it. Easier said than done. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking a little bit about not just the lower teams in Serie A, but teams in Serie B and even Serie C underneath, anywhere they already struggle to make any sort of money. Some of them don't pay their canteen ladies or anything like that. So at the moment, they're really banking on basically any sort of revenue, um, Palermo included, Mario. So I'm <laughs> thinking... At, stable as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll go over to Michael first. Michael, do you have any concerns about teams uh, at the bottom end of Serie A or Serie B in terms of being able to sustain themselves the longer this goes along? And could you expect that some clubs be in some sort of financial difficulty where folding is a genuine possibility. Absolutely. Like, absolutely that, that this is going to be an issue for many clubs. Um, I, 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 th- I think, yeah, <laughs> I mean, especially the ones that were barely breaking even to begin with. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah. that's a lot of them underneath. Uh, I, I mean, instead of B's and said each like once you, the, the further you go down, the more issue, I mean, these clubs already have issues to begin with. Now mm-hmm. you're going to, you're going to give them even, even uh, more problems. And they're going to be involved with all these lawsuits. And there's going to be a lot of problems in the next few months to the next couple of years in terms of uh, in terms of lost wages and insurance. And, and there's so many different uh, scenarios that we're, these teams are going to have to face. You're not, I'm not going to be surprised if you're going to see a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of clubs fold, um, a lot of clubs, you know, taking on, uh, you know, financial issues or, or whatnot, uh, especially because, you know, their leagues not only depend on sponsorships and I know Italy doesn't do as well as other countries in terms of attendance, but it still is, you know, money to bring in. So when the leagues do return, eventually they're losing any gate money because they're going to return with no fans. So, yeah. and like I said, it, it's not like Italy does that well with, with fan support compared to other leagues, but it's still something that helps them get by and the leagues will not have that option when they return. We can all pretty much agree that when you know, soccer does return and sports do return, there will not be fans. There's no way. It's impossible. So that's going to really hurt them financially for the teams that already said, uh, you know, already struggling financially. So I think that's definitely going to be an issue uh, once things uh, get back to normal. Yeah, fair call. Um, Let's move on a little bit. Just before we move into a couple of important things I want to talk about, the French League has been cancelled. So I just need to check in, sorry, Michael, with the president of Icardi FC. Mario, Mauro Icardi is a champion, finally. Let's talk, let's talk a little bit about his decision to claim it on social media and um, how just the official Icardi FC president reaction, please. The guy's still a loser in my book. He hasn't won anything. He won by default. He won a freaking transfer by default. He, you know, he's he's a freaking joke, you know. Uh, and then... Now he didn't. He didn't even win a contract. If he won a contract at PSG, then I'd be like, all right, this guy, this guy, it's going places. But no, he, they, they don't even want him anymore. They say go back to go back to Inter, go and then go straight to Juve. So you know, he was, 
pretty much frozen out mid-season, sitting the bench, watching them score their most important goals towards the back end. Michael, I just want to know your where, where you stand on Mauro Icardi as well. Would you even take him back? Um, well, I used to like Icardi until Mario brainwashed me, and then and then now okay, I've cool. uh, <laughs> now I've now I've well, look, I actually I was pretty indifferent on him. I mean, I liked him. You know, his goal scoring was was great for for us for you know a few years, and I and unless you're like it, me, you hold things against people, or you notice <laughs> fine details that like nobody else like even would ever care about in a million years, you've no reason to hate him. <laughs> Yeah. No, I, I was, I was, uh, uh, look, I, I was someone who said, okay, you know, I, I don't really give a shit what he does on the field. As long as he's scoring goals for us on the field, that's what matters. And uh, I was pretty, you know, I, I wasn't a big fan of his, but I was, you know, happy that we had him on the team because really didn't, we didn't have anyone else to score goals for us. So it, it was good that we had him. But at the same time, uh, what happened, uh, what happened last year when he, you know, we decided not to play, that's when I decided, you know, I, I have zero respect for this person because he he left us out to dry and in a very critical point in the season. And uh, we, we don't have any use for him because we've got two cap- very capable strikers that can, can work well together and and uh, have proven this year that they're both having incredible seasons. Uh, yeah. I... I, I I don't want him on, on Inter. As long as we can keep Lotaro and, and Lukaku on our team and they're continuing yeah. what they're doing this year, I don't want him on the team. Uh, I'm just trying to figure out who the heck would take him. I mean, maybe Juve, but like, I, 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 I hope that's not motivation for him if he went to Juve to kind of stick it back to us. That's that's what I don't like. I believe it's 100% his um, agenda to go back to Juve. This whole time, it's just his agenda to stick into. He, he really, basically, he and his wife tried to hold into to ransom, thinking that they were bigger than the club, and now he's got to sit back and watch us flourishing um, without him. And we've finally tried to adapt to a different game plan where it's not just, oh, you know, get the ball and cross it to Icardi, and hopefully with three men on him, he'll find a way to put the ball in the back of the net and everything will be okay until we sub in Adair. But it's all good now at the moment. And, you know, we move on and we jog on. Something else that jogged on this morning in the media was a little bit more traction in the decision between this Osarto versus Inter. I have to jump into this, man, and I want to go in a little bit further. Michael's shaking his head. This stinks to high heaven and shit. And the only reason, like, I'm so passionate about this is because you always remember those games where... Even if you're not there at the game, you're there when you're watching it. Like, you're really there. I was watching it, and when we got that red card, I'm like, oh, you know, here we go. But to see us come back and get to 2-1, I'm watching it with my dad. And, you know, my dad's someone who kind of lost interest in 1999 with the whole no penalty to Ronaldo incident. That's where he was reached. His breaking point is like, oh, you know, screw this. I've had enough. And we're watching that game as well, and he's just sitting there going, you know, nothing's changed. And that game for me was the breaking point that season because we were right at the end. There was a genuine chance that Napoli would have picked them to the crown. We still had a little bit of momentum and that was really going to derail us in the next four weeks. That match to me was it stunk to high shit. There was something really fishy about it. That's all I've got to say. Michael, your turn. <laughs> and oh, for context, in case anybody doesn't know, basically... Um, We've had some news in the last few days that there is a missing video, there is a missing audio from the VAR decision to not give uh, Pjanic a second yellow card, and Orsato has had got something to do with that. Off you go, Michael. I mean, are we surprised that something like this happened? Like, I'm not surprised. No, no, I mean, of course not. not it's all. not like it's. I mean, yeah, I guess it's a, it's been a slow, you know, news month in terms of of things to talk about, but like, 
I'm not surprised like that there was some kind of controversy and I love how it's like it's it's happening right now. it's 2020 May May 4th where it came out you know May 2nd May 3rd and this happened <laughs> how long ago like a year and a half yeah. like how long yeah and and I had to go back and and watch it watch it uh you know one, once I seen it just to remind myself how stupid that whole situation was uh-huh. and the fact that the of of the the red card for Inter and the Pjanic uh, like just horrible tackle on I believe it was Vecino, right? Vecino just totally yeah, Vecino uh, uh, like, uh, got sent, but yeah, Pjanic's elbow was on Rafinha. Yeah, Rafinha, sorry, Rafinha, yeah. yeah. And and but he was but he was I mean, listen, we all know Pjanic, he gets away with he, he kind of reminds me yeah. of, of Licksteiner, how he gets away with a lot of a lot of shit like mm. that, you know? And Licksteiner's done that to to enter how many times where he should have been sent off. And Pjanic has kind of taken over that role since Licksteiner uh, took off. I just, I'm not surprised. And and, and just just having to re- rewatch this whole scenario, it just, I, I'm, I'm trying to laugh, but I'm trying to see, you know, what the heck, how does something like that go missing? You're talking about a league where it's supposed to be a, you know, major organization and the tapes go missing. Like, think about it. The tape went missing. They were making the strides forward. Where the hell did it go? Where did it go? Did <laughs> someone throw it in the garbage? It's becoming relevant and legitimate again, and then you have this. Did, it, did someone Bullshit. throw it in the garbage? Did someone throw it in uh, Lake Como? Like, what the heck happened? You, you just don't lose somebody like, like this, especially in, in such a uh, an important VAR game. They're going to say it got COVID. Yeah. For those, cool. for those listening who, who don't know, Michael, can you tell our listeners what the Osato connection to Juventus is? I, I'm not even going into it. You can, if you want, to, <laughs> I'm not. All you're gonna do is make me make me hotter. I'm not. All right, all right cool. I'm, I might actually leave it for another yeah. one for another podcast, to be honest, man. But look, what I, what I do want to know: do, do you think anything will will come of it, mate? Do you think that we can expect a court date, or can we expect basically anything to come from this at all? Any sort of traction, or any sort of even punishment, or are we just looking for history to repeat itself until it all be swept under the rug? No chance. No chance. No chance. Absolutely. Zero. Unless Moraki right. has uh, has an input on this. Mm. Fair enough. I would have to agree for the most part. Let's, what are you going to do? Like, like the tape went missing. Let's find somebody. Like, what, what, Yeah, you look at the fact it, kid. Yeah, and like the, okay. the VAR team, I guess, are they responsible for, for the tape? We don't – like VAR is such a very – it's such a new system that, yeah. that the public's not going to kind of know what happens to these things. It's only going to be the, the referee association of – in Italy, of, of kind of who controls these things, and and uh, there's gonna be there's gonna be some kind of loophole or or an issue where someone misplaced it and someone's blaming the other person, and there's just there's gonna be no wrongdoing. If it's gonna if how long it's gonna be around for? They, for all we know, next year they could be like, oh, you know, VAR was causing too many problems. We're going back to the old method, and you know, uh, they're gonna close the case on VAR. What is it? Three years, you know? That's a trial period. It's just gonna be in the history books. Yeah. Because oh, also look, look at what happened with um with Fiorentina the first year of VAR, uh, they brought oh, back man. they brought back yeah. a penalty that a legitimate penalty a handball on Chiellini but they had to run it back five minutes look for a foul there's no foul yeah. look for throwing there's no throwing look for an offside oh yeah, yeah. Douglas Costa passed it to him we have to call it offside yeah, yeah, yeah whistle that's 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 our offside that's our key 
to yeah. getting this taken away. You know what? What happens next? Uh, they won the game with the stupid penalty, if I'm if I remember correctly. Yeah. Fiorentina got screwed over more than any other team on VAR that first year. They got yeah. it was like every other game they got screwed by it. I felt I felt so yeah. bad. For them. Dropping so it's many just, points because it's of supposed it. to show you with with the VAR how uh, how many missed calls we've gotten in the in the past because look at all the penalties we've gotten that you look at them three four years ago there's no chance in hell that we get these penalties there's too many penalties too many there's soft penalties man we had a little bit of favoritism I think I'm not even front on that one because I'm looking at a couple of these penalties there was like two or three that I was like. Uh, without VAR, there's really no point to give this. And then I'm saying if it's any team, it's a soft penalty, you know. Uh, the human error kind of kicks in, but, you know, like the first, like, line of vision, you're not seeing that. When they they zoom in, they zoom in, they zoom in, five minutes goes by, it's a penalty yeah. free. That's- yeah. Well, it's 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 supposed to be. I, I think the whole thing was it's it's supposed to be a clear and obvious error, and Serie A did not follow that. Nope. They they said okay, well, you know what? It looks like a penalty, but was it a clear and obvious error? Many times it wasn't. Nope. I want to see 100%. I don't want to have a decision where it's, you know, they didn't call it and they look back at it. You know what? It's it's probably a penalty. I don't yeah. care about probably a penalty. I want to see 100%. Mm-hmm. Uh, a problem, uh, a penalty, and that's that, that's what they did not follow in, in Italy. And every league was kind of applying the laws differently, which is what I didn't like. And FIFA didn't really have a say over it. And yeah, they, uh, they never I, really brought it together. Yeah, and and that's that's uh, and that's I mean England's uh, same same thing. They, they don't. They what don't it's look done at it. is. What it's done is it's taken a lot of the accountability away from the first the first referee on the field and they're turning into cowards. And it's not just in football, it's in rugby in Australia as well because now that a lot of the decisions go upstairs, you can always just go upstairs to check. Oh, I didn't see it. We can make sure anyway. Oh, I'm not too sure. We can check everything now. So who cares? I'm not going get to it, get it wrong. I'm going to check absolutely everything when it basically should be what you just said. You know, you back the referee's decision on the field unless there is a margin so big for error that it can be blatantly spotted and we need to go back and correct it. But wishful thinking. Time to move on to um, all sorts of transfer and Mercato talk, uh, but more importantly, contracts. So in terms of restarting this season, we're getting closer and closer to the deadline of a lot of people's contracts or in terms of re-triggering clauses to extend another year. My understanding in what I've been read so far is that pretty much all contracts are able to be extended by a year by default. And if that's the if that's true, this will actually work out in Inter's favour. Uh, a big part of this is the Icardi transfer. So, you know, ignoring the whole fact about him coming back on the pitch and whatnot, in terms of book value and logistics, we get him for another year. Um, it, it keeps his value quite high. And we could also be using him in terms of looking to swap him at the same time. Same with Lautaro. Now, that release clause attached to him, that $111 million, it's becoming more and more obvious, go figure, in this economy that Barcelona can't afford Neymar and Lautaro and everybody else in the market that they're linked with. So they're probably not going to be looking at offering something stupid like 50 million and Vidal now. So I don't think we're going to lose Lautaro. In terms of players that we're looking to bring in, uh, Michael, I'll start with you. We've got a few players on the shortlist that we can discuss, but I'm looking to discuss first forwards. Drias Mertens and Edison Cavani. These are two names, uh, both of them. I'm big fans of them both. I'd love to have them both. Anyone who listens regularly knows that Mario would pretty much take them both. Cavani definitely over Mertens. But for me, um, I'd be happy to have both of them. Both Serie A proven experience. 
Cavani still offers a lot for his age in terms of fitness and just that desire to win. He's got that hunger in his eyes all the time. It would just be a question of getting his wages knocked down a little bit. So, Michael, your opinion on both Mertens and Cavani, where would you stand in terms of bringing them into Inter? Let's let's maybe go with the fact that we 99% sure Alexis Sanchez is on his way up. Yeah, he makes too much money for us to keep Sanchez. I mean, Wait, and I actually... And I actually liked, I mean, once Sanchez yeah. got on the field, I actually liked what he was giving us when he was, when he started with us. I mean, mm. we, we only see, how many games did he play for Inter? Not a, not many, like, well, a few. We like, got nothing out of him, man. We yeah. got nothing at all. Zero. Just I, I, I feel like when he, when he, like, got on the field for the first time, I feel like we got, like, I liked yeah. what I saw. I liked what I saw. It was a great move. I just, like, he got injured right away, and it was like, okay, well, that was a waste. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but I, I actually I love the move that we that we made. I, I've always loved, loved Sanchez, and and I thought it was a great move. But obviously we, we can't make that longer, right? It's like, a it's, high, it's a high risk high reward situation. Like he's a world class caliber player without a doubt. But when he's yeah. fit, yeah. yeah. I I feel that had had he been fit for that this entire year, I believe that he would have given us a lot. Oh, uh, we 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 needed him a few times this year, and we and we didn't have him. And yeah. I felt like that he was he was the player that could have helped us in this situation. But anyways, um, he's not going to stay with us. There's, there's no he makes too much money in turn, on his contract. He's not going to stay with us. Um, Cavani, how old is he now? Like 32, 34. 34. So, yeah, 34 years old. So I mean, look, I, I've always loved Cavani. Um, and what he did what he did in Napoli all those years, you can't you can't deny what he did and and how elite he was and consistent and. Uh, maybe he hasn't lived up to it as much as he as at PSG, but like I'd, I'd welcome I'd welcome the the option as long as it made sense for our team. Um, as long the wage as wage is was, a problem though. It's it's 10, 10 yeah. million a season. That's a big problem. Yeah, that's too that's too much. That's too much. But I, I also see it as a as a as a, a a depth, but also interchangeable with what we have already. And not not kind of eating too much time out of out of Lotaro and, and Lukaku. Um, I, I, I listen. I love the guy, and I and I think that he would help us a lot. Um, and and maybe a little a little bit higher than Mertens. I mean, how old, I'm gonna ask again. How old's Mertens? Like he's 33, 34. He, he's old too. So yeah. so we're looking at guys who are who are past their prime, and maybe they're good value buys in terms of uh, how much they're gonna cost. But uh, I think I think either, either of them would be would be smart decisions. Based on the wages not being being too expensive. Yeah, cool. Mario, or you? I mean, like I said, I'd take either one. But Cavani, he still proves he can score his goals. He's lost a step, and for the right price, only for the right price because he's so old. You know, you're looking. They're probably gonna want like 20 million. Because don't forget, Cavani nah. is the PSG all-time. Goal scorer right now with 200 goals in wow. uh, six seasons ish. So you're looking at 200 goals, six seasons, 20 goals a year, boring this year where he scored four and 14. So he's still proven he can score goals. Plus, you know, he's got like he kind of the Neymar, Bopin, whatever. But that's not the, that's not even the point. You get him for like 20 million for like a year. You're gonna get a lot of that twenty million. That's the thing with that. Um, he's not, you know. And plus, actually, no. Now that I, now that I think about it, with all this COVID, I think we're gonna see the the transfer market deflate a whole yeah. lot. 
So that twenty million that I'm saying right now might even turn into twelve to thirteen. Uh, you know, you throw in a player, maybe like a youth player, you drop it down a little bit more, because that's what they're notorious for. Um, Inter. So Cavani, I think we can get at a fair price. Boom, comes in right off the bench, starts a bunch of games. You're gonna get goals. Mertens, on the other hand, old. And he's starting to become a little bit of a cripple. Well, for me, Cavani, the only reason I really want to come as well is so we can all get a jersey, you, me, and Christian, all at the same time, because that would definitely be happening, man. Because I know he got a Sanchez jersey as well, and he got absolutely no mileage out of that, so it's time to get some justification. All right, I got <laughs> jersey. 21 um, games, six goals, so... Uh, not good enough. I was wrong. He did play a lot this year. <laughs> not good enough. So I, I take him. All right, let's go. Let's let's go back. Oh, geez, now we're going back. What, 14 years? That, that's the difference between these transfer targets. Sandro, Sandro Tonali and Chiesa. Now we're at the other end of the age spectrum. Um, I reckon we're going to get one of these two. All right, we're going to get one, and Juventus is going to get one of them. So it kind of depends on which one you boys um, prefer, and well, no, not about what we prefer. What Inter decides is more uh, more suits our structure and what's going on. I'm a little bit concerned that Conte has a little bit of a hard-on for Chiesa and would choose him instead of Tonali, which I would not be all for. I've been a big fan of Tonali for a while now, and I've just I've wanted him for a long, long time. I am conscious of the fact that if he was to sign for Inter, maybe his playing time would not be um, in line with what he wants, considering you know he's a guaranteed starter for Brescia. He might, still, he might think he can slide straight into first-team football and he'd be looking at being, you know, he wouldn't start ahead of Brozovic or Barella and a fit Sensi, but that's just it, a fit Sensi. If we're trying to challenge on all fronts next season, we need hella depth. We need to look at the bench and go, shit, all right, Cavani, you fit, get in. Like, we've got Tonali, we've got Sensi. We need to have players that are ready to go. We need to have bench players as good as the starters. We need to do what Juventus has been doing. Bite my tongue. Michael, your thoughts on Tonali and Chiesa, first of all. Who would you pick and why? Talk a bit about both. My my personal opinion, I've actually thought about this uh, a lot because really, what are we thinking about the last month? <laughs> this is this is what I've been thinking about. Uh, I would, my personal opinion on this, uh, I've, I've taken a lot of thought and I would go after Tonali, but I would I would not have him join Inter right away I would definitely have him play I would loan him out or keep him at, at Brescia put him yeah. on loan keep him at Brescia or wherever let him develop uh because he obviously he's not gonna if, if you bring him into Inter he's not gonna develop as he as he as he should so that's my personal I mean I just it, it seems like the smartest thing to do is to bring him in loan him out a year two years year and a half whatever whatever the situation calls for. And uh, like, I like Yeza, I just don't know if he fits in, fits in as well. Uh, I, I don't see, I like Yeza who does for Fiorentina, but maybe because he, he fits in with their, with their system and, and their team a little better, better than, than what he would with Inter. Uh, um, but I would, I would 100%. I mean, he's only, now he's what, he's 19 years old. Uh, he's got yeah. everything, everything ahead of him. And uh, there's, there's such a bright future for the kid. And, uh, you let him develop, uh, continuing for Brescia or whoever at a at a at a team that he can play consistent starting minutes for. That's the route to go, and I think it'll be a successful one if we make that that choice. Well said, Mario. Over to you, Tonali or Chiesa. If you had to choose one, which would it be? Um, 
I'm on the opposite end. I, I think Chiesa, honestly, like the problem is, like Michael said, he doesn't have a position. But Conte will find a way to make him a position. He's going to have to adapt the lineup or he's going to have to turn him into a second striker sort of thing. And um, kind of like a Vice Lukaku because, uh, or Vice Lautaro, whatever the hell it is. I don't even know what the fucking Vice means. <laughs> some people says it's the other guy. Some people says it's the backup for the other guy. I, I, love, I, love, when, I, I love when they say he's a number ten. It was a number nine. What, is, what does that mean? But he's not a traditional number nine, bro. Yeah, but come on. He's a traditional false number nine with a 1987 play style. Yeah. Fuck those guys. No. Um. But I think Sikiesa is one of those players that he can start on the wings, make his way inside, make it all pretty and nice. Alternatively, Tonali. You're going to buy him and then you're going to load him out. Okay. That raises a lot of questions. He's going to be playing a Brescia, let's say. He's developed well, but the fear is that he, he can only learn so much at Brescia. And so in the next two years, is he going to keep growing or is he just going to kind of just plateau? You know what I'm saying? Because it, it happens to a lot of players where you sign them promising it even happened to Coutinho with us. We had him 16 years old. He had no place in the team. We were forced to sell him. You hate to see it, but it's the reality. So, yeah, it's a profit. It's this and that. But if, it, if you're talking about what's best for the club, I don't think uh, Tonali right now is, is best for Inter. So that's why I think he goes to Juve. He sits on the bench for the next four years, and we forget about him. That's <laughs> the worst-case scenario, but it's probably the most likely. <laughs> I understand why you think that. I just think I think he's that next step of young talent, man. It's it's rare to see someone ooze that sort of young talent out of him. I think no matter where he goes, he'll he'll do well because he's he's playing with some with some crummy players at Brescia sometimes on his best best day. So I think with the right support, but you know I'd agree. There's no way I'd, I'd chuck him in an Inter side as as soon as next season with. Barella, who's already developed in a season and he's already an animal. Sensi on his best day is going to be so good in that system. Um, so let's just talk about that for one more second. Okay. The redemption options will be coming on coming up soon as well. So it's it's a no-brainer that Barella will be redeemed. I'd say we're about the fan base probably about 80-20, maybe a bit over. Michael, in terms of redeeming Sensi, because I love him as a player, it's just that it's such a rare occurrence to see him on the pitch. He looks like he's a little bit made out of glass, man. Yeah, I mean, from from beginning of the season, he, I thought Sensi. You could you could make an argument that Sensi was having the best season of any midfielder in in Serie A. You're almost, I would say, man. He was every game. His Even stats, Europe. his match passing, his accuracy. Yeah, was Europe, the Europe was the best. Yeah, he was from he from Barcelona. He was the best player on the field until he came everywhere, yeah. and and that lasted for how long? Maybe. Two months, a good, a, a solid couple months, where he, where I literally felt like, oh my god, we struck goal, we've struck goal with this guy. Christian and was I, freaking top of the world with him, and I'm like, yeah. I don't know. And I, and I only like, <laughs> listen, I've only, I've only seen him play a, a few times with us uh, before, before he, he came over. So uh, I was very, you know, I kind of knew what he was about, but I didn't, I didn't know exactly what we were getting into when, we, when he started playing with us. And uh, I thought that it, we struck goal with him, but it's like the, the guy caught the plague and he, I knew, we'd never seen him. He was, okay, we got injured and it was, okay, he's going to be out for a couple of weeks. And then a couple of weeks turned into a couple of months. And then like, he comes back and he's injured again. And he's like, 
I can't, I can't deal. We can't deal with this. You can't have a player that's that is dealing with this. Maybe he needs this layoff to to uh, to heal himself. But but if you're telling me you, you give me a healthy sensi, of course I'm 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 taking that option. Of course. For sure. But but I, I, I don't. There's a lot of there's a lot of risk in in making that type of decision. Um, if you ask me right now what I would do, uh, I. It's, it's it's a very tough decision. I would take I'd probably take the risk and say let's let's do it, just because he's still pretty young and and he's got if it doesn't doesn't work out or, or you can you have got that option to to release. But uh, I, there's just way too much talent there to just not not move forward with that. That's that's my uh, my thoughts. Yeah, nice one. Um, going a little bit more to the crazier end of the spectrum, Mario. What do you make of the Paul Pogba rumors in the last forty-eight to seventy-two hours? Uh, he's going back to you, though. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> we're roped in here. <laughs> I actually don't. I actually don't think he goes anywhere. I reckon he patches it up and just stays in England. To be honest, yeah, uh, I don't think. I, Juve, so. I don't think Juve's got does not have the money to spend, man. Contrary to what the media will tell you, they're buying everybody. They're buying Chiesa, Tonali, Icardi, and Pogba tomorrow. But I don't, what do you think, Michael? I think he stays at United as well. I think I think mm-hmm. I think they're going to try to. I mean, they're going to try to get as much as they can for him, and and because they want to. I mean, look, he's the problem. He he's he is a problem, but like he's the problem at United. <laughs> I I I we all I think we all saw the talent that Pogba had at Juve and you know what he did with France, and and I'm I'm trying to see. There's no he didn't even come close to reaching that potential when he went to United. No chance. And it's it's it's, tra- it's the only coach that can get anything out of him. I, I watched a lot of him at United, and on his day, he was two, three cuts above everybody, three, four cuts above everybody. His day was once every two months. Yeah, once every two months. Yeah, and, that's, <laughs> it, it, and he's got a, a big consistency issue. It's not like yeah. he's he's giving you a couple games a month where it's really good. He wasn't. He was giving you a one game every one game five month. or six games. Yeah, one, one game, game six month. weeks. Yeah. And he'll show up, and you're like, "Oh, Pope was great. Pope was great." And then, like, you don't see him for another month, and all of a sudden, like, and then you'll hear his name again a month later. Uh, I, I, I don't want him in Inter. That's that's for sure. I don't want him to come to Inter. I, 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 I there's rumors out there. I just am not interested. Uh, I don't think that's that's an option. I we, we should even yeah. entertain. Uh, I'm just curious to see what if 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 he does leave United, what they would sell him for. I don't know mm-hmm. how much money money because he went for a lot of money to United, didn't live up yeah. to it. So how much would they give him up for? And United have made a lot of mistakes where they brought in someone, didn't live up to it. They sell they sell him, and then the player ends up being better than what they thought they would be. Yeah, I reckon they're gonna take an L in terms of um, books, like because they'd have to get above ninety. And you know what? In in this market, they can probably get around that eighty eighty five market, but they're not gonna make a huge profit on him like they would have liked to say. But if he did perform consistently for a couple of seasons, they probably would have whacked him off to Madrid for 150 plus. And now they're probably looking at making a very small um, profit or if not even a small loss. Um, Inter's a really, really good club when it comes to buying wingbacks and fullbacks. Very good. One of the most consistent in the whole world. So let's run through a couple of options that we're looking at. This Mercato, for God's sake. Alonso and Emerson from Chelsea. Mario, you first. Would you take either of these? Um, of course, I was being sarcastic. We're not, we just can't hit a wing back into since Micron, basically. So is this going to be any different, bro? Um, probably not. I mean, I heard that the they weren't going to renew Biragi or Redeemer mm-hmm. or whatever the hell it was. Uh, so that's obviously good news because 
If I, if I had to choose between Alonzo and Emerson, I'd probably go with Emerson just because uh, just because he's Italian, really. <laughs> I don't know. I, mean, I think they I think they're both really overrated. I think Alonzo had a good good run at uh, Fiorentina, right? I think he adapted all right at Chelsea. He had a couple of good seasons. I'd take Alonzo because I just think he's he's a well he's a couple of cuts well above Biragi, that's for sure. So you take that, but. Uh, Emerson, I agree. Yeah, I agree as well. He's younger. He's got a little bit more flair. Um, I'd like yeah. to see him come in. Michael, your opinion on these two wingbacks, uh, fullbacks that play for Chelsea at the moment? Yeah. I, I, look, I if you had to give me, if I had to pick one, I'd probably go Emerson. But at the same time, I don't know if I'd be interested in either of them. That's just that's just yeah. me. Uh, I, I don't like if I, if I'm gonna like like this is a problem that Inter's had for for seven to eight years now, where or wingbacks have been atrocious. And and you can and and not only is it atrocious, but you can tell that we suffer from it all the time. All the time. It's not it's not like we can make up for it in other places. We can, but it's we are always it's our Achilles heel where we we are um, exposed at, at that position as well, where it's always screwing us. So so this is a position I think we need to to like really 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 focus on. But not just not just pick someone because okay they might be good. I'm not convinced either of these players can can solve our issue. Um, yeah. I just I, I I I'd rather just hang out with what we have right now until until we can f- create a better solution. That's just what I look at. It's it's a basically uh, hope for the best situation where you hope Lazzaro kind of pans out because we bought him for 45 million and he's been a dick. Um, Lazzaro, it was 25, wasn't it? Whatever, it's still too much money. Uh, it wasn't 45. It was still too much money, but still, yeah. yeah. Um, and then on the other side, you have, okay, let's say Lazzaro pans out. You put him, he starts getting consistent games, he plays good. Fine. That's where the lord and savior, D'Ambrosio, comes in. You put him on the left wing, we're sold. Game <laughs> over. That's if we don't figure out what the hell's going on with uh, Asamoah, because... Where, did, what, what happened to him? I, I just... Like I don't understand where these players go. Since this there's something behind the scenes. There's got to be something like a dispute with the management. Uh, I said at the start of the season something seemed fishy about the medic team and the training methods, and something wasn't being done to look after the training thresholds physiologically properly. Like something about the adaptation wasn't right. And well, a few people were calling me crazy, like, no, 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 it's too soon. But then they started dropping like flies. And the worst part about it, the most evident part about it was their return to football afterwards. It was horrendous. From the moment they stepped on the pitch, they looked like they were waiting to get injured on a clock. That's what was irking me, man. I don't know. One of my good friends warned me he, when we first got Conte. He's like, he's like, you got Conte. It's great. But he's like, he's a one. Injuries. Injuries. No, no, no. Not even that. He's like, he's a one cup coach. He's like, you're going to get one cup out of them, if anything. And that's if they don't die. If all the players don't freaking die. And I was like, oh, no. Okay, you know, whatever. We got Conte. It's fine. We're going to win something. <laughs> <laughs> but now I see why he warned me. And, like, you know, Conte's crazy. He's out of his freaking mind. His training is – I don't even think the next coach comes close to it in terms of, like, uh, what he expects in this preparation – it pays off. It's like it's like I said before, high risk, high reward. He risks his players. He pushes them to the fucking to the max. And the moment they die, they're dead. Mm. There's no coming back. That's what happened to Sensi. 
I want to go to Appiano Gentile and just watch these training sessions. I want to see what what the what goes on there that 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 is it gives the reputation of working these players to the death. I want to see it. Yeah. I want to go there and and actually take it in. You know, I, I want to. Are these are these is this actually true? Is he going out there and and these guys are just getting worked to the bone and not getting breaks or what? What kind of training methods are these that Conte is putting them through? And, and yeah, so he's yeah. just running through the streets of Russia doing this. Yeah, <laughs> Monday through Thursday in um, in Russia and then Friday and uh, back to Milano and they take pictures. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. oh man, that's pretty much it for transfers. Um, I don't think Giroud's coming. He penned a new deal at Chelsea. I think the whole deal about getting him was that we could pick him up for free or for like one mil or three mil or something like that. I don't okay. think he's going to come now because by pending a new truck contract, his value's got to be somewhere around around about that eleven to fifteen mark again. So Mario, you reckon Giroud comes or that ship has sailed, and that's why you're hearing a little bit more about the whole Mertens Cavani traction. I'm not going to count it up because you, how many times have we seen you kind of the Inca New Deal then, you know, yeah. they erase the clause. In this case, they might be lowering the clause, you know, just Maybe. so someone will take them. They'll be like, hey, uh, uh, you know, we'll pay you a little more until someone buys you for $5 million, for $10 million. And then, you know, yeah. we'll, you can be on your way. You know, we'll pay you up until a certain point. So that could be the thing. And maybe they're not saying anything because maybe there's some water to it still. Uh, Giroud wouldn't be bad to have. I don't, I don't hate him because you know he adds that that uh, that height. And if you're losing in the game and you throw Giroud next to Lukaku, you might have one tall defender, but you're not going to have two players as tall as both of them. What you do you mean? You put you put on Ronaldo, a uh, uh, striker. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you're telling me center backs to park a center back and two people that should be playing a center back. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's where that that transfer comes uh comes in handy one of these days. Oh uh, man, that's funny. And uh, actually, Michael with Giroud, what's your opinion? I would take him on a if, if it was a free transfer. I would I would I would do it. One hundred percent, I would do it. Uh, hmm. uh, if, if if it's going to cost us you know five five million or less, then yeah, I would probably still do it. But I I don't think I would go much more than that. I, I like him. I've always liked him. I thought Giroud was a was a was a pretty consistent consistent. He's going to score. Yeah, consistent. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, you, I think you know what you're getting out of him. You're not oh. getting that much, but you're gonna get. You're gonna get. You know, he's gonna create chances. He's gonna be in the air. I would take him for a very cheap price for sure. No, there's no doubt about it. Um, he opens up the game. It, for sure. Is this the last question you have on on transfers or contracts? There was only one more. Um, it was then I'll throw it over to Arturo Vidal, but I'm not 100 percent sure about him anymore. I think he's gonna leave Barcelona, but Mario, would you still take Vidal or not? He's gonna. By the time this is all said and done, he's gonna be 35, 36 years old. <laughs> That's so, it. Point. It's like Unless another Lavezzi, bro. He's the next Lavezzi. Yeah, Lavezzi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't see what the, what the point of even thinking about Vidal is. Okay, I understand. In the January transfer window, we we're desperate for depth, but now absolutely not. There's literally no point. I know, Michael. Would you take Vidal? And if not, who else was on your mind? I could go back in the archives and probably find out that we, we were linked to Vidal when he was a youth player, probably, at some point. Levetz, yeah, Levetzi too, for sure. Yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 think, I think that ship has sailed. I think, I think we're past that. Uh, it's uh, maybe a few years ago, but not, no, no, I think, uh, I think we're past that, and uh, it's not, not the headache I want to I wanna deal with right now. 
Um, exactly. And plus, why would you not just take Nangolan back if you were going to get Vidal anyway? I would. I mean, a hundred percent would. Yeah. For I sure. Would. In terms of the three that we've got lined out, if uh, Icardi, Perisic, and Nangolan, would you say he's the only one that you want back? For me, yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. Mario as I'd well. Take, I'd take Perisic back also. I think he's going to go to Bayern, man. I think they might get they, they'll give us some scraps for him. Nine mil. 10. If they'll say 10 in the media, but when it's all said and done, you'll see it's more like 7.6 to Inter. Mm. Honestly, if, they, if they're willing to pay for him, he's going to be 31. You're not going to get much else out of him. You know, his, his fucking stock plummeted. Um, but I'd love if, to have Nangolan off the bench, man. You look at your bench and you see him on there to come on. That's, again, it's about having that depth, that depth that can match that starting intensity. That's what you that's need. I think if, if Nyingolan comes back, he's not going to want to just be a bench player. He's going to want to be a starting player because 19, eight, 17 out of 20 teams in the Serie A, he would start in, right? Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't he just go over there, score score five, six goals, be loved by all the fans, get paid, be treated like a king, or on the contrary, come play sporadically, be treated like shit by the fans, by the management, uh, you know, oh, he's a bad boy. He's gonna have a reputation. He's gonna be this. Look, look at him now in Cagliari. They love him. They freaking love him. He loves them. He's freaking captain of the team, and he's on loan. You know, it's <laughs> like, why would you want to go from that to to sitting next to Ranocchi on the bench? To look at the end. At the end of the day, he does need to take a fair share of responsibility. He was welcomed into this city with open arms at the airport, at the training, everywhere he went. Um, the fans did everything they did to make him feel included. He was a little bit of a brat about the whole situation. He was like, "Oh, you know what? I am a good player. Yeah, I'm happy. I'm here, but I'm not that happy. I'm here. I'll decide soon whether or not I'm happy. I'm here." And that soon wasn't a very nice period of time. But every time he stepped it up. He stepped it up and he he stepped us up. Every time we needed something out of the bag, he was there from the goal against Juve to his early strikes in the season and to his goal on the last day against Empoli. He literally well, saved our ass. I'm, I'm sure he thought I'm sure he thought that goal against Empoli single handedly said, Oh, good, I'm here another year now, that'll do. But and not to be I should be starting every single freaking game after this. And then what happened? Yeah. He gets put on the bench, he gets sent on loan. Why would you want to come back to that? I don't know. It's a tough one. It's Marotta and Conte. They're a, half, they're a tough pair to crack. So we'll see what happens. Gentlemen, I'm happy to call it at that, unless there's anything else you think anything in the world of Inter is going on that we should talk about. Well, I'm just going to give my little two cents on, on that situation. Look, I, 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 yeah. would li- I would like to bring the England back. I just don't think that's what's going to happen. I don't mm. think that – I don't think – I would I would welcome it. I, I would love to have him on the team, but it's, I just don't think it's what's – the scenario that that we are okay. facing, I, I don't think it's going to happen. Um, look, of course we would. The, guy, the guy's so talented. We all know how talented this guy is. I've I put this guy on a pedestal as as a top five to seven midfielder in, in Europe for the last three, yeah, four, the five years. Midfielders I've ever seen play. Yeah, yeah he's the, great. Ta- the talent is is up there with every, anybody the last three, four years. Uh, obviously, there's something going on in his head that's a little different. Um, and that takes away, but I just, I just don't think that whatever relationship he has with the club is not going to resolve itself, and then he will end up being either loaned out again or sold to Cagliari or whatever it may be. He's not going to be back with Inter. I, I would hope it's not that situation, um, but that's that's what I think is going to happen. As for Perisic, 
I wanted to, I wanted to ask, and I wanted to to, to, to quickly talk about it. Um, yeah, I, I do watch a lot of Byron games, so I do, you know, I do see what he does there, and and there's this thing called that uh, my friends and I we 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 call it Perisich time, and Perisic gets all of his goals when <laughs> when the game is already out of hand, when the game is three yeah. one or four yeah. nothing, and Perisic will come out will come out of nowhere and score a garbage goal and pat his stats and whatever. And it's it's true. We watch all these Byron games, and it's like the score is three nothing. You see Paris is coming on as a sub. He's like, it's Paris is time. He's gonna score, and sure enough, he does. Uh, but <laughs> it's a funny situation with him, and he, he did it with Inter. I mean, he did score some. You know, with, with national team with Croatia, he would he scored massive goals, uh, massive, crazy, crazy, crazy. But with uh, with us, you know, maybe in his early early uh seasons with inter yes but not as much i would say in the, in this last year uh i think that it looks to to me that they're gonna buy him from what i you know from what i read with byron and and, and speak to some some Bayern supporters it seems that 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 he's a good depth player for them and you a player that can you can start him you can keep him on the bench he's he's within that, that you know that first tier of 15 16 players that can that can help you out um, yeah. I would entertain it. I don't think I don't think what we got from Perisic in our in, in his last year with Inter is is uh, is what I would want, and that's probably we start, what we would get. We started to see glimpses once uh, once Icardi was completely benched last year. You saw like a flip of the switch. Like he was like, "All right, I don't have to cross the ball to this retard a thousand times. I can do what I want to do. I can I can ball out finally." And then if you see like the, the complete different play styles, like sure, Valentin's not here. Everything's different. Everything since the moment Icardi stopped playing for us, everything's been better. So, so maybe it's it's a it's a question of of how he would play with Lukaku and Lotaro and you know this new amount this, these new players that we have. So that's something that maybe they would enter, entertain. And when that decision has to be made and a few months or whoever knows when they have to make this decision based on the situation. Uh, I, I, I've always loved Perisic for, for many years. I got his Jersey. I, I love the guy, but I didn't like what I seen from him in his last year. Uh, and, and it's like, I, I know what he's capable of and I know what he, he, I know he can help us, but I didn't like what I was seeing in his last year. Yes. Flashes of, uh, you know, good flashes whole, once in a while. Wasn't good. Yeah. As a whole, he wasn't good. Uh, but uh, I'm sure if Bayern says we'll we'll give you guys 10 to 15 million for him, I think Inter's going to take that, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, pretty much. It's pocket money yeah. to them. So as you yeah. said, if he's going to be a player that's in that tier of 15, 16 players, then it's only going to cost them 10 to 15 mil. They'll consider that money well spent, to be honest, because at the end of the day, he is a professional and um, Bayern's a very, very big club and he's just happy. I think Perisic, that's a club where Inter, he felt like he needed to speak out a little bit. His ego was getting the best of him. But Bayern's a different ball game at the moment. He's gone over there and he's just happy to be in the background, collect a nice wage and play at a level where he knows he's going to be at that top part of the table because I think that's really where he wanted. I think he was just getting a little bit fed up towards yep. the end of his career. And that World Cup final, I think it actually broke broke a large part of that last part of his winner's mentality, to be honest, man. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it from me today. I'm really, really thankful to both of you to coming on. It's been a good show. So thank you, Mario, for joining us, man. Of course. It's always a pleasure. Peace out. And thank you very much to Michael, bro. We'll have you on again sometime soon. I appreciate it. It's been awesome.
No, thanks for having me on. It's good to actually have a conversation and, and keep myself sane because I think I'm going crazy the last uh, last few months. That I can't sleep. I can't. I don't. I, I'm going crazy. I need to talk and I need to to express some kind of opinion with with uh, with with the club that I that I've that I've suffered and and enjoyed for so many years. And and it's good to, uh, good good to talk with you guys. And uh, Mario, it's nice to see your your beautiful face. Of course. Uh, <laughs> but thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right, and I'll sign off by saying bring back Eder and Forza Catania. <laughs>